Hello, you're listening to Track by Track, the Trash Music Podcast, with me, Dan Bull, editor of Trash, which can be found at movetotrash.co.uk, and me, Will Warren, music enthusiast and contributor to Trash, and this week sees the start of our girl band month, um, the first of four podcasts where we're going to be celebrating the great and the good of the girl bands of this world, and what a place to start today. Yeah, we're starting with the ultimate girl band, would you say? I think they probably are, actually. Mm, I um, mean, some some might say it was Banana Rama. Some might say it's maybe even the Supremes going back that far if they were an, officially a girl band. But Spice Girls are certainly the biggest girl band of our generation. Certainly. And on the decks this week, we have got Spice World, their second studio album, uh, released 21 years ago this week. How do you feel about that? Probably not the first time I've said that that makes me feel quite old. Ancient. (laughs) That's a long time ago now. And Dan, why Spice World? Why not the first album? Well, I'd say partly because it's 21 years, sounds better than celebrating 22 years. (laughs) Um, But also because at this point in their career, it really was a Spice World, wasn't it? Um, I mean, it really was everywhere, wasn't it? Just girl power and the whole Spice Girls phenomenon. It was truly global by this point. It was, and when I saw um, how big One Direction got a few years ago, and they did get huge, but it still didn't feel as big as the Spice Girls were back around this time of 1997. They were a cultural phenomenon, and you you can go to many, many countries across the world and talk openly about the girls and girl power, and people know exactly what you're talking about. And they'd only been... been just over a year since they'd released their first single. So it was in such a short space of time as well. But I have to say, when I think back to my childhood, this I was um, 10 or 11 when, when Spice Girls first came out. So let me do actual maths. I was 11 when Spice World came out. When I think back to that age, that time of my life, Spice Girls are such a huge part of that. And, and there's such a huge pang of nostalgia when I think. When I see Spice Girls album covers or posters or old articles... You know, it really was such a huge thing in my life, actually. What, knickers. <laughs> um, no, you're you're right. I think whether you like them or not, they were just everywhere, weren't they? Yeah, and I did like them. And did you have the posters? Oh, I had everything. Yeah, the lollipops. Everything. The the, the Cadbury's bars. Everything. Yeah, the impulse spray. I think this is also arguably. The better album? I honestly am not sure. Actually, I, <laughs> yeah, um, this is a fantastic album, a, a fine ten-track pop album, but I really do think I see them equally. Uh, for me, I, this album probably had the edge on it. Produced by Stuart Price. <laughs> 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 no, no, it's not. But I think I like the fact it's only ten tracks. Yeah. Um, because each track counts. And this is before the days of deluxe editions or bonus tracks, depending on what country you're in uh, or what store you buy it from or where online you pre-reserve it or pre-download it or whatever you do now. Should we dive in? I would absolutely love to dive in. I'd love to um, take myself back to... 1997. Yeah.
that was an anthem at the time. Yeah, definitely. I actually I remember the first time I heard it, they were premiering it. I think they were premiering it, but certainly I knew they were performing it for the, one of the very first times on the National Lottery Show. And uh, on that Saturday night, I stayed in and I recorded it on VHS as well. And I remember just instantly loving the song. And can you remember, was it Guinevere or was it a <laughs> Lancelot? And which set of balls was it? Unfortunately not, but I do remember the lottery numbers that night. Yeah, do you remember when you first heard it? I was <clears> studying <throat> my A-levels when this was first released and, and through the whole of the Spice Girls' biggest periods. And I can't remember when I first heard it, but it was instant. And and I think there was a, a lot of anticipation as well at the time because this is the... I think that first album was just everywhere and played to death everywhere. So there was a real excitement for some new Spice Girls music. And this didn't disappoint when it came along. I think it was exactly what was needed. It was another girl power anthem. And I, I could, while that was playing, I could see you were shimmy, shimmy, shimmying. Well, oh, yeah, shake, shake, shaking and, uh, yeah. And all, and all that, yeah. Yeah, you're right. It was, it was hugely anticipated. But at the same time, it had only been the previous single, which was the last single from Spice, was Mama and Who Do You Think You Are, which was... I think around March time, it was definitely like an Easter Mother's Day release. Uh, so it had only been six months or so. And at the same time, they were obviously touring the world and uh, also working on the film, the Spice World film. So say what you like about them, but they were did, did work hard throughout those few years. Throughout those first three years of Spice Girls, they must have put in a fair few hours. Oh, I, I don't doubt it. Well, I'm, it seems like you do. Just to give you a flavour of how big this song was um i won't go through every country but certainly it was top five in every country in europe barring germany it was top 20 in in america and of course it was number one in the uk it sold a lot of copies (laughs) interestingly enough the original release of the song was delayed because it coincided with elton john's uh, reworking of candle in the wind in 1997 obviously after the unfortunate events involving princess diana now that you say that, I remember that. I'd forgotten, I'd forgotten about that. And just, I mean, what a lot, you know, it was all around that time that, that was going on. Talking, like, I think we've talked about a lot about the hype of um, the Spice Girls around that time, but the song itself is actually a very, it's quite a simple song, really, isn't it? It's, it's got lots of la-la-las, and it's got kind of the, the the lyrics of Colours of the World, Every Boy and Every Girl. It's not their most, you can look at them as a, a, a girl band or girl group or whatever you want to call them, but some of their lyrics are actually quite clever. This isn't the most clever song lyrically, but it, it's certainly one of their biggest anthems, isn't it? Can you remember the video? Absolutely, yeah. I remember they were all in a spaceship at one point. It was always sort of a neo... Wow, a bit Blade Runnery, yeah, Matrixy in in a kind of way. Yeah, uh, I remember Jerry Halliwell with a whistle and almost dressed as a American police woman, maybe or a uh, senator. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. It sounds right of her, Ali. And as well, clearly a favourite of the band because they used it to open and close their Return of the Spice Girls tour. Did you see that? Cruelly, I've never seen the Spice Girls live. I am. Um, flabbergasted I bet it was a right party it was wonderful yes I saw it I saw them back in the day just after Jerry had left which was a little bit disappointing because she did leave on my birthday so and she was my favorite so every year now on your birthday you remember Jerry leaving the Spice Girls I just commiserate I don't I don't celebrate anymore I haven't done since I was 11 actually and also they played it when they did the Olympics which was what a what a moment that was in pop culture history that was just remember just remember that just 2012 as if the Olympics weren't a big enough event and by the, this time as well I think we'd all come round to being excited about the Olympic Games 
being yeah. in London, and just the use of the like the British cultural icons. And I remember there were all sorts of people. Kenneth Branagh was involved. Rowan Atkinson was involved. David Beckham was involved. But the iconic image of the Spice Girls standing on top of black cabs. Yeah, uh, certainly Twitter went into overdrive on that day. Yeah, that was that was iconic, and it's that was six years ago now, and we've been teased earlier this year about some uh, maybe some new projects with the girls and every other month there's something in a tabloid oh, just about don't, girls just leave it do you think yeah would you not want good. to see them um if it was five of them yes yeah but i just don't think it would be again let's not dwell on it let's move on to the next track track number two is stop Thank you very much indeed. What are your thoughts on Stop? I love that track. I think the whole Motown feel, it's a bit of a change of pace for the girls. Mm. Uh, again, I've got vivid memories of the video on like in like a working class street. Yeah. Uh, with the girls running around knocking on people's doors and everyone comes out and dances. And the end is like in kind of like a working men's club. Yeah. And I remember that's when I think when Posh had just had a haircut off as well. Uh, this was their third single to be released from the album and the last single featuring Jerry Halliwell. And also... Well, in physical form, anyway. Yes, very true. And also their first to not go to number one. Which... It was number two. Do you know the song that pipped them to the post to number one? I do, because I'm still absolutely livid about the whole situation. Run DMC... Is it Run DMC versus Jason Nevins? Is yeah, that how they it was a big it? song, actually, back in, back in that year. It's like that. And it, it is a fantastic song, actually. It's like that. So if you hear it... Uh, at a wedding disco or something like that, it's it's a, it's a banger. But I've actually picked it for my further listening track. We're not allowing that. <laughs> you can stop. I was I was absolutely fuming when this didn't go to number one. It feels like a number one single. It sounds like a number one single. Yeah, and again, I think despite all of that, a favourite of the girls because when they came back together for the return of the Spice Girls tour and the kind of the greatest hits around then and all that kind of thing, I remember they performed this on. I don't know if it was Dancing with the Stars or Strictly Come Dancing because obviously they're both kind of the same thing, but or maybe on both. They're wearing like army outfits, but they, this is one of the tracks that they were kind of using to promote their comeback. So clearly they enjoy it. And of course, there was that famous hand-heavy dance routine that you was just showing me during the song as well. Oh, yeah. And when you hear it out in the in the pubs... In the clubs. Um, everyone tries to do it. No one quite, quite remember how to do it properly. Well, you did it very well, and I have to say, uh, I know it quite well myself as well. Part of the appeal, I think, they're, they're, they're very clever, aren't they? About, you know, a little dance routine, you know, and uh, a memorable video, a catchy song. Mm. It's all there to hook you into their world. Yeah. And, and they were never too choreographed, were they? They were... It wasn't like they were this polished sort of pussycat dolls thing it was very girl next door and these relatable individual figures but it was quite a rare moment that they not a rare moment but it was just kind of they came together for the for the for the routine of the chorus and you can imagine probably jerry or melby messing it up and having a laugh with each other at the same time and then they just go back to stomping around the stage well and this video they were literally were girls next door this single sold four hundred and twenty thousand copies 
That sounds like quite a lot. I think definitely looking at... You know, I don't think any single would sell anything near that now. Oh, God. Well, obviously not, because things everyone streams stuff anyway now. Yeah, I have no idea how much a single would need to sell now to be number one. Or even number two, as this was. Well, why don't you have a look at that whilst we get into track three, which is too much. Love is blind, as far as the eye can see. did promise you I would look into how much a song has to sell this year to get to number one. Uh, would you like to hesitate a guess? One, okay, let me rephrase. Not to get to number one, but how many copies some of the bigger number ones of the year have had so far? Like 30,000 copies? I think you're going to be unpleasantly surprised. And I certainly am. So God's Plan by Drake, never never heard of it, couldn't hum it to you, is one of the biggest selling, perhaps the biggest selling song of the year so far. And it has sold 1.2 million copies. What, worldwide? No. In the UK? In the UK. And also Rudimentals These Days featuring Macklemore, Jess Glynn and Dan Kaplan, uh, which is only number one for one week, but it has also sold over a million. Having said that, though, it costs as little as 59 pence to buy a song now. Uh, back then we would have been spending... three ninety nine CD single? Yeah. One ninety nine if it was one of our prices, uh, new singles of the week. And probably one ninety nine for the cassette. Mm. And there were two, two, always two CDs, weren't there? Two CD sets you could buy, just you got all the B-sides and remixes. Yeah. All the postcards. Yeah, the little um, fan club thing inside there to fill out and send off. Free send post. it off to somewhere, free post in Leamington Spa, <laughs> somewhere, wasn't it? The Ballad. It really is a stunning piece of work, isn't it? And Christmas number one, in fact. Yep. For that year. Their second consecutive Christmas number one. Of three. Yes. Only the second band, certainly in the UK, I'm not sure about the world, to have three consecutive Christmas number ones. Do you know who the other were? Beatles. Don't ask me which songs, but they're not very Christmassy, I remember that much. It is a lovely ballad. It really is. I think I mentioned a, a, a little earlier about how lyrically they can be very clever, and this opens with that line, love is blind as far as the eye can see. And I do remember uh, seeing an interview with Jerry where she said that she woke up in the night with that lyric in a head and jotted it down on a piece of paper. Have we got time to talk about Jerry Hallowell's solo career? I know we touched on it a couple of weeks ago. I think we're I think we're gonna have to do a track by track of schizophonic. I think it's fair to say her solo career was uh hit and miss. Definitely. I, I think they all have been really, haven't they? I, I mean Victoria's was probably miss. Probably Jerry's was probably more hit and miss more hit than some of the others. Yeah. But when she backfired the results were catastrophic. <laughs> Uh, no, she's had some really good songs. Actually. Look at me. Look at me. Scream if you want to go faster. I quite like that so, one. Yeah, I loved. I mentioned it a couple weeks ago. Desire. Yeah. Really good. Uh, her cover of "It's Raining Men" I prefer to the original. I have to say. As featured on the Bridget Jones Sound- two soundtrack. One, one I think. Soundtrack. Yeah. But if I may bring it back to too much, if that's yes. not asking yes. too much of you, but I do remember about this one as well is how it opened Spice World the movie was almost sort of the, the theme of the song. Do you remember they were performing on top of the pops right at the beginning of the film? Yes, yeah. Did you see the film at the cinema? I didn't, oh. no. It really is starting to sound like you've not 
really a big fan of the Spice Girls. Well, I'd hate this podcast to become who's the biggest Spice Girls fan. But I would win, undoubtedly. <laughs> um, interesting, I was just reading actually while that last track was on, um, that they were recording this album and filming the movie at the same time. Yes. Which is quite a big un- undertaking. On to track four now, uh, and we're off to the disco. Saturday Night Divas there. Yeah, when I was younger and, and used to listen to the album, I didn't know the word, I, think, I didn't think I knew the word Divas or Diva, so I used to think it was Saturday Night Divas. I never understood what it meant, but I was always too scared to ask anyone. Which, like, for you, is really funny to think about now, actually. I don't really understand what you're <laughs> insinuating there. There's clearly some thoughts around from the girls there about what they enjoy doing on a Saturday night. Mm, kiss and telling on a superstar? Yes. Mm. And I have to say, actually, Emma Bunton's Emma Bunton was never my favourite vocalist in the group, but I really do like those lines that she sings in this song. They are very kind of sweet, almost, and I think the music uh, plays a part, like, complements her voice on there. Um, what I like about this song as well is that if... Like me, on Christmas Day 1998, you received Spice World, which I did on cassette. This was your first brand new song, because the previous three had all been released as singles. So I do remember hearing this. I don't remember hearing it for the first time, but I remember, you know, I remember knowing this was the first brand new information. And that feeling never gets old, does it? When you when you are a big fan of a group and the album drops. And particularly now when you can often have five or six, it feels like, singles, buzz tracks, whatever you want to call them, before the album actually is released. That feeling about finally getting to hear a new track, something fresh, is very exciting. Yeah, definitely. And so many artists now, there's such a length of time, if you're thinking about like campaigns... There's such a length of time for some artists between releasing the first single and finally releasing the album that that mm. single belongs to. It almost feels like the best part of a year sometimes. That yeah. Happens for. And actually some artists never even get there. Slight, I suppose slightly to your point, look at Clean Bandit. We've been getting singles from the second album for about two years now and still no sign of this second album coming. I think I know what will make you happy and let's finally get to that disco and let's never give up on the good times. Everybody needs some affection Never shy Never shy Never strike out the track Great song. We were dancing away then. Yes, we were having a little bit of a shuffle, I would say, in uh, in Track by Track Towers. What a fun song. It's very fun. It's, it is probably their most disco moment, would you say? I'd love to hear a whole album of like Spice Girls go to the disco. Not a covers album, that's something like that. No, 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 just original disco-themed, flavoured compositions like mm, that. Not like when Boyzone did a... Um, disco album? No, they did a Motown oh. album a few years ago of covers. It's just... Was that only a couple of years ago? It feels like it. It might be more. It's it's in their most recent. Was it called something like Allow Us To Be Frank? No, that was Westlife's... Uh, oh. Yeah, Frank's and Arch same, covers. Same sort of thing. Same sort. It's no, very Louis you. Walsh. No, 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 no. 
Yeah, he thinks he's doing a theme week on the X Factor, doesn't he? Yeah. Now he's not even on the X Factor. Uh, he'll be back in some capacity. If he's not on Simon's left-hand side with Sunita on his right-hand side at Judge's Houses, I don't watch X Factor. Do they still do that? <laughs> Yes, they know. do, yeah. I have to say, just very quickly, while, while we've detoured to the X Factor, Jerry Hallowell was a guest judge once, and I do think she might have made a good full-time judge. I think she's been great. She's got the gift of the gab. Yeah, and she's she has had a successful solo career, as we mentioned before. I think probably she felt, and maybe certainly I felt at the time, that she was on her way. When those first two solo albums came out, she was on her way to being the next Madonna, the next huge female solo like the, the female Robbie Williams I think she was she was definitely I think a lot of people at the time thought she would go mm. the distance do you hear a frog ribbit th- running throughout this song no but I think there's probably a sound that might sound a little bit like a frog ribbit I think it's a frog ribbit also so I hear a frog ribbit in that song I also hear well I, I know it is there there's a very obscure flute thing going on in the middle of the song isn't there it goes a bit crazy oh there's some wonderful wind work in the middle of that song <laughs> Um, I think that's Victoria singing, actually. Yeah. As we've said, from the off, um, this is a, it's a good pop song. It's a good um, disco number. What annoys me is that when I saw the Return of the Spice Girls tour, they didn't play this song, but they did opt for a disco medley of classic disco songs. And I just why think not do your own material? They didn't do any. They didn't do any album track. They were such good writers and they're such good songs. There, why did they feel the need to cheapen themselves and put in this this medley of covers? It was it. You didn't like that moment Dirty at all. girls. Dirty. Wrong. Put it down. Let's move on. Yeah, let's flip over the cassette. To track six now. And this is Move Over. Move over there. I have a, do have a question for you, actually, Will. Did you collect your yes. Pepsi ring pulls? Yes, <laughs> Pepsi. So they did this, didn't they, before with Step To Me as well? Yes, which didn't... I don't know if it was if Step To Me was ever supposed to appear on the album, but it didn't. But Move Over, certainly, you could get a, a, a CD, couldn't you? An exclusive CD if you got, like, 20 Pepsi ring pulls. And it was a live version of the song. But what a great song as well. Lots of attitude... You know, another big dose of girl power in that song. And I, re- I remember hearing as part of that Pepsi campaign and just really wanting to hear the song and to have the song. Yeah. Because it wasn't as easy as it is now, is it? When you hear something, you can just go and find it. Whether you have to pay for it or stream it or download it or watch it on YouTube. There's so many different channels now. Yeah. But back then, you know, you'd really kind of be left hanging for stuff for a long period of time. I mean, I was just actually thinking there when you said that, I was sort of thinking to myself, well, would would we even have had YouTube back then, but actually, I don't think we had the internet in our. We probably certainly didn't have the internet in our house back then. So, did anyone have their internet in their house in 1997? Probably some, but. And <laughs> <laughs> who's on the line? Mum. I'm yeah. I'm a huge fan of this song. Um, the guitars are a little bit heavier in there. Like you said, it's got more attitude. Later on, there's a bit of organ, which gives it a bit more of a different style, a bit more funk or blues or something like that. Just a, you know, just a little hint of it in there. Do you like an impressive organ? I love, uh, a, yeah, an organ solo. Writing-wise, this one seems to me a little bit more, a little bit more unorthodox. I'd say maybe a little bit 
Xenomania in the in 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 a similar way to maybe like Sexy No 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 by Girls Aloud or something like that. It's just it's different just, kind of feel and structure to it. Yeah, than, than the norm. And yeah, as we said, it was for Pepsi. I remember vividly the advert on TV and just being excited every time it came on. And of course, they had adverts with. I mean, we said before they did everything. They did Polaroid. They did Asda. Do you remember when they launched Channel Five as well? They launched Channel Five. Yeah, and they had a special song. Yeah, which was never released actually, but you can find that on YouTube now, but my favourite was the Tesco Christmas adverts when they got back together. Yeah. <laughs> They're so cheesy and almost, it's quite hard to believe now that they got Victoria to, to do that because she, I think, had she started her fashion stuff back then? Maybe not, but they, they are so nostalgic. Even, uh, do they seem recent to you or do they seem a long time ago? They do, it feels like it's recent, but it's not. It's a long time ago now. Yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, it's, it's over, is it 10 years ago or more that? Maybe we should look into it during the next song. Um, but I remember they were, I mean, like Christmas adverts now from big retailers, they have to have a message, they have to mm. be, it's a tug on your heartstrings. But they, they they were good fun though, weren't they? They were, and from a, a fan point of view like ourselves, it was probably just quite nice to see them all back together on the screen. It was a bit reminiscent of their early days when they did adverts as well as everything else well, they were never afraid to cash in were they absolutely not. with endorsements products advertisements yeah so let's go on to track seven now do it I think at this point, it's, it's suddenly dawned on me that we've been talking through Spice World and get very nostalgic, but I haven't really touched upon the other people who co-wrote the album. And this is probably a brilliant time to do that. So Do It was co-written by Andy Watkins and Paul Wilson, who together were known as Absolute, a production team who've also worked with Lisa Stansfield. And they did work with Jerry on her schizophonic project as well, which I'm sure we'll go into in more detail at some point. <laughs> Um, so they kind of did half the album. They did Do It um, and they did Stop and Too Much. And the others were, the main ones I should say, are Richard Stannard and Matt Rowe. Or maybe Rao, but I think it's Rowe. Interestingly, Richard Stannard kind of let slip that, do you remember a couple of years ago when there was that very embarrassing moment when Gem happened? And, and then didn't happen. And then didn't happen. And in fact, that website might still be on there with that video on there. Well, they just sort of lying on a bed talking. Yeah... It was Jerry, for anyone who missed it, and you're very lucky, uh, Jem stood for Jerry, Emma and Mel B, and they had this plan to come back together as a three-piece. It was just a complete shambles, wasn't it? It was, and brushed under the carpet as quickly as it was announced. To go back to Richard Stannard, he did co-write a song with them called Song For Her, uh, which did leak and wasn't too bad. So, yes... Um, they're the two camps of songwriters on the album. Um, the reason I was saying that now is because I don't really have a lot to say about Do It. Well, it also might be a good time to talk about the fantastic album artwork. Let's do that. Which is it's the classic uh, S-P-I-C-E, one of the girls in each of them um, doing some hero pose, you might call them. It, it, it was nice to see that continue. Obviously, the, it stopped here because this was the last album with all five girls, but... 
it was nice to see that continue as the band got bigger. Funnily enough, I was talking with someone recently about the album. A work colleague. Uh, a a track-by-track... Fan. Fan, contributor, graphic designer, and all-round lovely person, who said that the the actual Spice World, where it's the picture of the Earth with the Spice World ring going around it, was pretty naff, and it should have been without that. I think it's true. I think it looks like a cheap add-on. I think the iconic Spice with the five of them and then girls underneath is all they'd need. Going back to uh, songwriters and collaborators, um, Andy Watkins and Paul Wilson, a.k.a. Absolute, did this one. They also did the next track, which you'll play now, which is Denial. Take a look at yourself Tell me why things about Spice Girls is that they very much have their own style, their own sound. Mm. There's a real power behind it, real energy, real attitude. This is a track that does remind me a, a bit around other tracks. That were on In the charts in 1997, it has that kind of pop slash little bit R&B sound that I think was was around a lot at the time, when actually they're better than that. Yeah, it definitely does have a bit more of an R&B, very slight hint to it. And I mentioned before about seeing them live. And on this track, Jerry actually roller skated around the stage dressed as like a 1950s waitress or something like that. But I'm actually talking about the original Spice World Tour back in 1998. So as also mentioned, I didn't get to see it myself because she left selfishly, before I got to go and see the tour live. On your birthday. Part of me thinks that might have been a good thing because she seemed like quite a clumsy character and I imagine she might have gone A over T (laughs) mid-song. But I do think it's a great album track. It's definitely an album track. It's 100% (laughs) an album track. Let's crack straight on to track number nine now. We're going to slow things down again with Viva Fred. A bit of a tear there, are you? You okay, hon? I don't, just the, the beer I was drinking just splashed up into my eye. Oh. Obviously, this came at a, quite a sad time for Spice, if you're a Spice Girls fan. Yeah, quite a devastating time, actually, I think would be the right term. I was kind of in preparation for today, I was re- having reading up online, and apparently um, the Spice Girls performed this on the National Lottery. I remember seeing that live. Without Jerry... And at the time, they said she was ill. Yeah, and I vividly remember Mel C looking into the camera and saying, get well soon, Jerry." That was my Scouse accent, by the way. But it's one of those classic... How many times has a, has a group done that? Zane from One Direction, did they do that then? Did they pretend he was ill or something? I don't know. Um, but just, oh no, it's not very well today when really there's screaming bloody murder in the background. Oh. I do think it is an absolutely brilliant, incredible, stunning song, though, and Certainly one of the best ballads of the 90s. Largely regarded, actually, as one of the Spice Girls' best yeah. songs. Yeah, most, certainly most 
emotive. And I don't think that comes from it being released after Jerry left and the video that still included her and everything like that. I just think it is a, a really well-written song. And I think all of their vocals get a chance to shine in it as well. I think right at the end, you've got Mel B's like really low notes carrying it out to the end. But in early, even earlier than that, either whether they're working as harmonies or individually, I think they do get a chance to shine. The unmistakable sound of the Spice Girls in harmony with each other, mm. as you would hear on there. The video as well was very memorable because they weren't in it. Yes, actually, yeah. First one without them in, surely. It was an animation. They were furries. Fairies. Yes. <laughs> um, and I think it was done by Ardman, the video, who do obviously the Wallace and Gromit and all that kind of thing. It's actually just reading here now. It was directed by yeah a guy from Ardman Animations who went on to to be one of the main people responsible for Chicken Run, that film. Oh, really? Yeah, great fun, that film. So we're at the final song on the album. Short but sweet, Spice Girls album. It's just 10 tracks, but um, I think we're in for a bit of a treat. Yeah. As far as we know, Norma Jean had a seven-year itch. Like what a way to bring the house down. It's definitely a, a show closer, isn't it? Show stopper. Although it does say, uh, take your seats and we hope you all enjoy the show. So I do often remember thinking, surely that should actually go at the beginning of the album. Oh, it's definitely an, an, an end of album track, that one. Yeah. Not album track like Denying was, but as in... It just It's a great closer. I think it's completely different to anything they've done. A lot of attitude, their personalities really come through in that as well. Yeah, it's, it's the most playful song on the album. I really do like, actually, the uh, almost the audacity of name-checking throughout all these legends and Norma Jean and Danny and Sandy and then also putting in Scary Baby, Ginger, Posh and Sporty. Scary Baby, Ginger, Posh, but yeah, I've got them all. Well, at the time, they could totally get away with that. Absolutely. And one thing, actually, I wanted to touch on that we haven't talked about on the on the podcast as of yet. I do vividly remember this song as part of Viva Forever, the musical. Did you get a chance to see that? I didn't. Was it any good? I mean, I have... it, didn't, it wasn't around for long, so... It wasn't around for long. It was absolutely critically panned. But I thought it was great. You know, I thought, obviously, it was... Uh, had the same team as some of the Mamma Mia team and also Jennifer Saunders writing the book, the songs of the Spice Girls, unfairly dismissed before it even got a chance to do anything. My friend who I went with, who we both travelled from afar to get to London before I lived here, uh, he fell asleep. But don't let that be here. <laughs> uh, but yes, ladies of Amp, what fun. And that's it for the album proper. But we have got our further listening choices. Well, I'd love to invite you to kick things off have we got a have we got a theme for this one are we choosing a particular era of the spice girls long career or are we just gonna go for hell for leather and take any spice girls song? no the criteria is because let's be honest the spice girls were world renowned a cultural phenomenon but they haven't exactly got a huge back catalogue no and i probably could put a wad of cash on neither of us going for a track from forever. You're quite right. Um, and in fact, I've gone for a remix rather than a track. 
Um, and I'm rewinding back to... I think I can guess, but so, do you want me to guess or not? No. Okay, well... So I've gone back to the very beginning and uh, to the, the first ever single, Wannabe. Oh. It was huge at the time. And I remember buying the single. Obviously, there was nothing else out by the Spice Girls wanting to get even more. And on the CD single, there was the Motivate remix of Wannabe. Again, Motivate, famous remix production house at the time, in the 90s, late 90s, early noughties. Um, and of course they were pulled in to do a remix of the Spice Girls. The remix, the Motivate remix of Wannabe has got so many memories for me. And also it's great for running to now, actually. Any runners out there? Because um, I still have it on my running playlist. So this is Wannabe Motivate Vocal Slam Mix. As with most of the Spice Girls things we're talking about, I find it very nostalgic because I do remember that you that the instrumental version of that being used, I think, on CBBC, and it'd just be playing in the background when they were talking about what had just been shown, like Biker Grove and what was coming up next. <laughs> so yeah, and I I had the cassette single, so I think I had, I think it had the radio edit and then bumper to bumper on the A side and then the remix on the B side. Oh maybe. yeah, bumper to bumper. Bumper to bumper. <laughs> there were some good B sides actually. If I may uh, discuss my further listening track. Yes. I have also gone back to the first album. We've mentioned before, I, I can't really choose which is uh, which is the stronger album for me. They're both very strong pop albums. Um, there's a couple of songs on the first one that I really liked. The that They had a bit more of a R and b sort of edge to them. Um, but the one I'm going to go for is Something Kind of Funny. kind of funny and yeah a little bit more of an R&B edge to that one wouldn't you say? Yes definitely I think as with Denying it does sound a little bit more like a mid 90s R&B track Mm. and I said it was between two songs the other one was Last Time Lover from Spice oh yes yeah Um, and actually, if you think about girl bands at the time that had started out before Spice Girls, from around the world, actually, the big ones that come to my head are Eternal, On Vogue, maybe, and TLC. And they certainly were giving it more of a, really some more of R&B tinged tracks. So maybe that was a little nod to them. It's not, I mean, everyone remembers Wannabe, Say You'll Be There, To Become One for that first album. And you forget about some really different stuff that was actually on the album, if mm. you took the time to go there. We're out of time. That's the end of our tour of Spice World. We've been down, deeper and down, down, deeper and down into their second album. But yeah, what can... uh, So this was the first week of Girl Band Month. Can you give us a hint of what's coming next week? If you move the Spice Girls into a a decade forward um, and ran them through a TV talent show uh, and then gave them some excellent producers and songwriters, then you might have an idea where we're heading next week. 
Well, I love... One not to be missed. I'm a big fan of Little Mix, so I cannot wait for this. <laughs> but yeah, very excited. It'll be great to talk about how, how girl bands changed in those 10 years, if they changed at all, and how much of an effect Bicycles had on them. Um, but hey, let's keep that for next week. So uh, yeah, please do keep in touch with us. Let us know if you agree, disagree, at Move to Trash UK on most forms of social media. Hashtag track by track. And we'll see you on the next one. Yes, and subscribe. Uh, until then, I've been Jerry Hallowell. And I didn't meet loaf. See you later. Bye. <laughs>